this into Ravanelli. Ginny wants to go again. Ginny's skill gets him inside the box. Ginny nearly there. Ravanelli, goal! Hi, I'm Juninho. Welcome to the Boro podcast. Hull steal a penalty and a point against the Borough, who, since we last recorded, back at the end of August, have signed as many players as we've scored goals. Welcome to the Borough podcast. I'm your host, Adam Gandhi. This week, I'm here with Graham Kirby. Hiya. And James Hall. Hello again, Adam. Welcome back, everyone. Yeah, sorry about the worst. It's been a bit of a while, hasn't it? We've yeah. Gone, we... We're a bit off grid, but, you know, we're back now, so... Well, there's been, there's been that much to talk, to talk about, about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. But, uh, yeah, whole most recent game, James, you went up there to the KC, sat in the home end. Yeah, I was I was in the, the home end at the KC this weekend, which was relatively tasty and could, could have been bad if any of the Hull fans cared anymore. It was <laughs> it was a real apathy that's going on at the KC, and it's quite quite bad to see. You don't really want to see it at another club in the league, but it was relatively miserable. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of systematic, really, of some of the games we've had recently that we have not really talked about, that they've just been disjointed and dysfunctional and... There are some explanations for it, but some other ones are just. But there are some question marks over it. I think some of the main issues that I've sort of viewed from the hall was was the starting lineup. I was not impressed to see in, in a game that was obviously there for the taking. You know, Hull have been diabolical recently. They've lost sort of four of the last six, um, but they were there for the taking, and we were starting with players like Sam McQueen and George Savile. But why? I don't think they're necessarily bad players. I just don't think they're ready to be in the starting starting eleven. I know Pulis have talked extensively about the fixture build-up and how, you know, we've got our second away game in in ten days tomorrow, away at Ipswich. That you know that he has to kind of shuffle his pack a little bit. But I didn't see so the, the, the pressure and enthusiasm that we'd come to expect from Pulis, Pulis, Pulis's Middlesbrough uh, with the sort of the guy performances against West Brom and Bristol City. You know where we managed to put a real stronghold on the game and just had our own way. But I don't know. Maybe it's a combination of teams getting wise to it. Been able to counter against it, or you know, it's just personally, I think it's the wrong personnel. Yeah, and, and the changes that were made this week, so from the last game, where McQueen came in for Downing, um, Hugo came in for Braithwaite, so we went to a more of three-five-two with McQueen and, and Shotton on as wing backs. What did you make of Downing and Braithwaite missing out? Do you think who else would you have had in there? Well, I mean, the, the, the game was instantly anyone that sort of watched the full game know, noticed instantly as soon as as he made that triple substitution where he brought Downing, Braithwaite, and Bessage onto the pitch that the game was instantly changed. You know, those those are players with real quality. Then they can and, and came on with more purpose as well. You know, before they've been whole sort of managed to limit us and they sort of kept us relatively quiet with players, presumably like Hugill, who were still finding their feet with the club unable to sort of really stamp their authority on it whereas with Bessich and particularly Downing you know there was the added quality and the added purpose I suppose you know they they knew what they were doing and, and they all threatened and then for the last sort of 10 minutes it was it was all it was all Borough um, and if, if I just felt it was a disappointing game if we'd have started like that we could have been out of sight before half time What did you make of Hugel and Britt up, up top together? Not particularly convinced they didn't seem to link up very well between each other um, you know they were both sort of coming forward and trying individually you know Hugo didn't really have much of a look in or any any attempts on goal I don't think whereas Britt had a few but you know he's as Pulis keeps reminding us he's a, he's a one in you know he needs three chances and he'll score maybe one of them but Hugo yeah Hugo I don't think offered too much my main concern was just sort of the lack of support from the midfield you know we, sort of, we saw Savile against Bolton who did seem to sort of offer a little bit more going forward but 
you know, didn't take until the second half for Housen to get a, a good quality ball in into the box. And, and to be fair, Britt did turn it around. There was a few chances where he's played in and then he and he skewed it, but I just didn't feel that was enough enough there for them to work with, especially for Hugo to work with. Yeah, and it seems that Pulis is, is trying a few different things, and he's obviously trying to address the the um, the goals problem. I suppose we can call it drought. <laughs> drought. Um, three, three goals in the last five games is is a drought yeah. from the whole side. Um, there's no other way to uh, to phrase it. Um, you know, and, and, and Pulis himself threw down the threw down the gauntlet, saying, you know, we need someone to score twenty goals a season. And at the moment, it doesn't look like we're going to be anywhere close to that. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've had anyone close to a 20 goal a season when Bamford scored 19 a few years ago but apart from that I think it's back to Bernie Slaven well we, we have said all season that Flint and Ayala are probably the <laughs> likeliest to get there and well the, the goals from Sepisa seem to have dried up as well which is um, a bit of a worry um, maybe. absolutely yeah that, that's another issue that, that, that seems to be creeping in and sort of through the back door you know is that while we were not necessarily reliant on Sepisa's goals but they you know they did help us to sort of secure a playoff spot last season is that now they've dried up and we just do look very short of ideas I think I just wonder whether the symptoms of what seem to be like riding the crest of a wave a bit in throughout August and obviously the Leeds game right at the end of August right at the end of the transfer window and just before the international break seem to kind of obviously was by far and away the most difficult of those games that top of the table clash as it was at the time and we we approached very differently and very much kind of I think we would set up for a draw pretty much and and and, and so it played out but you, you mentioned the kind of set piece goals I know for example West Brom and the Millwall that that kind of last minute equaliser that, that got the whole ball rolling made that feel like a win I know they weren't I know those two weren't set piece goals but it, it sorry West Brom of course was but it very much felt like I don't know maybe maybe that was just putting a more positive spin on how things were actually progressing in August and that maybe maybe we weren't kind of like to rely on I mean there's four points in those two goals alone those two kind of last minute throwing everything at the opposition goals and uh, I just wonder if that's maybe maybe made it look like we were performing better generally than we were uh, it just seems to have settled off I think the what I was more confused about going back to Saturday was the Braithwaite seems to have settled back into the side since oh, he's certainly been a, a more regular choice in the starting eleven since obviously the end of the transfer window issue and then he, he sat out a couple of games or sat out as a starter he, he's the kind of one of the odd ones out in the squad really he's one on his own I don't think we have another player like him so to leave him out very much changes the dynamic of how the team's going to play so to substitute him for a Hugill is and it is a very kind of quite a sharp change of direction from Pulis to go from so far this season hasn't opted for those two very much strikers up top those two target men as they both are so they're very kind of I suppose relatively similar players cut from the same cloth and so to to replace Braithwaite for another like for like type up top that that confused me a bit really because I can't, I can't see what the perhaps perhaps people are again talking about how many games we've got uh, etc not that that comes as any surprise to us this, this is the championship so it's not like that should be an excuse as such but I wonder if he thought this was one of the games where he could risk resting Braithwaite if that's what he was doing and and then Downing again I've always Pulis has never hinted that he was ever dropped Downing I've, I've referred to him as, as his most kind of trusted lieutenant before I think 
I think so for him to leave Downing out that surprised me just because of how much he relies on his discipline and his and his contribution to how that overall kind of system works especially the the Bristol game is a great example of how kind of rigid and disciplined a performance we've had and the whole the whole game didn't really have that I suppose it's worth mentioning the, the Swansea game before so the last game before Hull um, I went up to that at the Riverside it was um, one of the poorest games I've watched I think in terms <laughs> of just there was hardly any chan- chances for either side and obviously for that being the last we played in the cup as well in between that but from the side that played there with Brit playing with Braithwaite playing with Down and playing we still looked very ineffectual going forward and weren't creating many chances Swansea were a good team fair enough but it was clear that Pulis had to change something to try and get something out so would, would there be any other way you'd change it differently because I think Braithwaite was one of the better players that day but still it was clutching at straws I think House was probably man of the match that day but uh, I mean yeah yeah, there is other ways you know we've got, we've got some of these young lads that are coming through with, okay admittedly they did play midweek in Preston but some of these young lads that are coming through that should be given a bit of a chance I mean I'm sure sort of players like Tavernier and Chapman and Wing would snap your hands off to pay two games in five days you know they'll, they'll be raring to go they, they're not tired I mean you could, you could excuse the likes of Downing because he's mid 30s now and his, his, his legs have gone slightly but he could, he'd, he'd struggled to play two games in a week and the same with the likes of Ledbert but Harry Chapman had run through brick walls since we started again on Saturday and Marcus Tavernier as well and which comes back to one of the other things that was lacking in that game was any sort of complete lack of pace I'm not saying that Tavernier and Chapman are, are lightning quick or anything in the likes of Adama or even Balassi who was rumoured to join us but they are quick and they could have run at those whole players and get things to happen a little bit quicker but he just just was unable to so I don't think that necessarily this idea that you know they can't play two games in a week at that age is is a bad idea I think you know they, they would have worked wonders on, on Saturday it feels like obviously we've got George Savile in as well Bessic came in just before the window also so there's a lot of competition for those centre midfield places but the, the man who's missing out at the most at the moment who started really well is Lewis Wing who is he is he missing out because we've got too many midfielders in there to try out now? Or I mean, I'm I'm fully on the wing bandwagon. I, I think he's great. I think you know he's 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 a tasty midfielder. You know he, he gets about a bit. He gets stuck in. Um, he's got a great delivery on him that we've that we've seen a fair few times already this season. I just I just don't think that Savile was the right replacement for him on on Saturday. I really don't. I don't think he offered as as much as he could have done. I think the game relatively passed Savile by. Um, he wasn't wasn't showing that kind of enthusiasm and bite to get into the game. And just I don't know, he had just a touch of the Adam Forshaws about him that you know neat and tidy enough player, but didn't really have that bit extra that would help us over the line and help help us break down the home side as it was. You know that that's what it came down to at the end of the day. It's a very away. Yeah, if we stripped away the context of Hull being a basket case and been at the wrong end of the table, then it was a standard home versus away sort of setup really but it shouldn't have been like that with with sort of 10 games in and us potentially going top of the league and sending them further down the table if you were Tony Pulis how would you be looking at addressing the drought now what, what would you be trying next I think it's obviously to address, address the issues that we're having firstly just stick with a tactical shape that works I mean obviously you know he's, he's been flitted between the two formations so far this season whether it's playing two up top or, or playing um, sort of the wing backs as well you know the 4-3-3 or the Five two three one, whatever it is. Um, three five two. Three five two. Um, yeah, those formations just just stick with one that works. You know, we we have got a very good squad at the moment. 
there's some real quality in our squad and there's, some, there's a decent amount of depth as well who should we should have enough to oversee the next run of games against you know Ipswich and Ipswich Forest on Wednesday you know that that man for man we're a better we are better sides than those so stick to a formation that works don't be too scared to make use of the 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 youngsters as well i don't think any of them have really shown a reason why they can't be trusted in some of these games you know the likes of wing who's proved he can be fantastic the likes of tavernier especially last season you know he 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 slotted into the side with no issues he didn't have any of the hallmarks of being scared of, of joining these joining sort of the men's football as it's sometimes referred to and in terms of yeah even scoring goals as well it's just try and find a partnership that works and stick with it you know Braithwaite and Britt has worked quite well in the past but you know changing every other week won't help and I can't can understand that he might not be able to play you know especially with Braithwaite who was at the World Cup as well let's not forget you know he hasn't had really had that much of a rest over the summer okay he's missed a few games this season just with injury uh, not injuries but sort of off-field issues, should we say? I don't see why he can't consistently play more than he has done in, in a be, be have a regular first choice side. I don't feel like we've got a go-to eleven that Pulis will touch trust every week. I think he's still tinkering a little bit too much for me. It, it looked like we did have until that end of the window spree, didn't it? The formation barely changed. Let's not let's not forget either. Paddy Munnair's barely had a look in, <laughs> and he's, there's a perfectly capable, yeah. versatile. Player, yeah, it's just. I mean, I, I can't help but look back to the, especially the Bristol game where it wasn't a way performance. We did sit back, we did absorb, but it was like the the discipline in that was was just so strict and tight and like well observed. And but yet when we did attack, there was still a real intent about it, and there was still a real creativity about it as well. Like the way Asombolonga and Braithwaite linked up in that game. And other players supporting, one of whom, Winger, you've already uh, kind of made the case for. You think you didn't really haven't really seen as much of that recently, and it feels like we've kind of we've. Uh, I mentioned before we kind of plateaued a bit. It just feels like that that more creative side of it has, has flattened out a bit, and perhaps I don't know if we're perhaps relying more on a set piece to win the game, and we're not quite opening out as much as we did. Whether that's uh, there has been a bit of rotation, a few of the new players coming in. Surely, for me, that that Bristol City game's got to be the blueprint for for away games going forward. And I mean, Bristol aren't a; they're a good team. They're like open, good footballing team, and we 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 paid them enough respect to to limit that. But we didn't kind of just absorb it and try and hit them on the break. There was a bit more. There was a bit more to it than that. And I feel like there hasn't been a bit more to it to the more recent games. And uh, I, I can't really put it any more <laughs> <laughs> bland than that. <laughs> Let's not get too downtrodden. We're still joint second in the league. Um, there's a few other teams caught up. Leeds have began to falter a little bit in the same vein as us, really. We're on the same amount of points now. So it is looking, still looking positive, league-wise. We've got Ipswich tomorrow. If we win that, we could go top. Yeah, I mean, it's fair enough. There are some positives to take. I know we're sort of slating the, the complete drought of goals and... Um, how you know the formations are to pot and how you know he's not giving players that deserve a chance a chance but realistically we've conceded two goals uh, four goals all season that is remarkable ten games to concede four goals two of which were in the first 60 minutes in the first game of the first yeah. of the season you know two only have conceded uh, two goals against good sides as well you know Le- Leeds were blowing teams away at the start of the season uh, as were Swansea, Swansea have been putting in some big performances as well with some quality players in their squads 
I don't think we can underestimate how important it has our defences have been in, in this but I don't know it just seems again we're talking you know this could have been this podcast could have been done two years ago <laughs> with yeah. the same good at keeping yeah. clean sheets and I'm not sure whether the balance is wrong or I think um, Pulis is, is you know is adopting a, a sort of build from the back mentality which I don't know he kind of kind of is I suppose but. I, I don't I don't think he is I, when I think back to Karan Carrera where you know we defend so so much and you'd see you know you, we'd never look like conceding our game because we'd have eight players behind the ball most times like impacts. whereas with Pulis I do see us playing forward a lot more we're, we're very we're not direct in terms of long ball but we're always looking to get forward it's getting the um, ball forward quickly and, yeah yeah, yeah. and, and I, th- I think there is a bit more speed to our play than than there was with Karanka. There's there's a lot less sideways passing, you know, just point, pointless possession you could call it. But at the same time, we're still having the same problems as we did back then in terms of the lack of goals, but keeping clean sheets. I mean, this, this potentially is is sort of reaping the the failures of the transfer window. You know, if we'd have landed either a Doma or Balassi or a, another pacey winger which we clearly wanted which we were desperate for and we're desperate for now I don't think we would necessarily be in this situation I think we, you know, we would be offering a lot more going forward I think the ball would be moving around quicker like we saw at Curly Pierce's Palace you know we, are, we can be potentially just a few pieces missing from a good counter-attacking unit like you like you built with that Palace side and the interesting thing with that is I think I think it was the lads on the Gazette podcast mentioned that if we were to get someone in like that, we'd have probably have to change our full shape anyway. So there's there's a chance that Pulis had it had in mind a system that he wanted us to move to, and because we didn't get that kind of player in, because it, it wouldn't have fit in into like three five two with wing backs at the moment. Um, maybe he had a different plan for us, so he's he's, he's on plan B already. Well, he uh, did uh, he did mention that in. Uh, I know you're going to laugh now, but it was after the Bristol game. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he said. <laughs> Honestly, he did. He was he talking about it. how the, uh, he was lamenting the lack of transfer activity at the time, and he was talking about he mentioned how the shape isn't what they want to play, and uh, he didn't really elaborate. But he was saying we haven't. So I think you you might have hit the nail on the head there, and that there was something in mind that perhaps would have been facilitated by one of those players coming in, and they didn't, and so he couldn't go down that route. What we have now is, and I think. It's quite. It's not telling, but I think it's uh, it's certainly an indication of how this season's going to pan out, and we're starting to see that ten games in as the table starts table starts to take shape. But what we have is a very defensively weighted squad by position. So that's not to say that players like House and Clayton, even necessarily Savile, are, are defensive players, but they're. It's it's those positions that they're they're here to sit in one of those three midfield positions. Whether we play four at the back or three at the back, he doesn't seem to be messing around too much with that central midfield three, and that essentially is a defensive unit. Whether that's defending from the front or whether that's sitting deep and absorbing, forming that line in front of the defence, that essentially makes those eight positions all defensive, and that it's so heavily weighted because. What we lack in, we've got. I think we've got. I think we've got enough up front, but I don't think. I think we could do with more another higher level striker. What we really lack is that firepower in attacking wide areas and another Braithwaite, someone of that ilk that can fill those voids. So we have. We've got. 
like I say, we've got enough up top. We've got a hell of a lot for those middle three positions and plenty of cover at the back. You could include people like McNair, I've mentioned before, who'll sit in as a centre-back. George did it at the weekend. But I think you've mentioned the word balance a minute ago, and I think that's bang on. I think the balance of the squad is is such that we're not set up to, to play in that way, which is, I think, we're very much going to be working on <laughs> if winning a title, winning a title by defending and not attacking. Yeah, and it, to, be, to be fair, that's not a bad way to go it's just the for entertainment value and for the pricey ticket it's not the most entertaining yeah. and for doing a podcast about this <laughs> is not ideal well, well um, nicely slipped in there <laughs> but yeah I, I think that's the, the key thing really because we, we we had it particularly with Agnew at the end of the Prem season when <laughs> we, we we completely switched in well we, we didn't even get oh, more goals that's the whole game we? you're on about yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I couldn't. James was mentioned something before we recorded, and I was like, I couldn't remember what he was on about. I've obviously wiped it from my memory. No, yeah, the great, the great scored them because he did like four. <laughs> yeah, that was that was our last chance of staying up. I think if we got a win there, there would have been a bit of hope left, but it was it was all gone. After that. No, yeah, because we like we never conceded four in the Karanka, then we did it in like the <laughs> following three games as soon as he'd left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that just completely went the other way. So, um, but yeah, there, there it, it's a balanced thing. I, I mean, yeah. What we can well, be positive is, is we're not far off. Is that is? Yeah, we're we're not far off. We're not creating too many chances, but there's a few games, especially in this run, where the other team have have never looked like winning or being on top of us or or scoring. And we've absolutely got the foundations to yeah. to build from. Like that that defensive block that we have is second to none in this division, and you can see that by the goal scored so far. Having conceded uh, only four so far this season is. Like you said, that's a ludicrous statistic. Yeah, <laughs> There's only two other teams in the league who've got less than ten. Um, it's yeah. So we've we've got all the right attributes defensively. It's about it's about being able to, I suppose, dictate games. We'll be very good away from home. The Leeds game was another good example of that. Being able to go there and, and pretty much shut up, shut up shop and prevent them from taking the win. It's the flip side of that is when a Leeds comes to the Riverside, and I suppose we saw it in the West Brom game. A bit, a, another kind of big game early on in the season but uh, the table as it as it stands now with them at the top of it shows how, how big a result that was but again it was there wasn't a huge amount of there wasn't a huge amount of clear cut chances and in the end we win it by a kind of a last minute long ball into the box bring it down and slot it home type It's it, so it's, uh, it's I suppose those games might worry me more but absolutely from the back we're laughing yeah. and, yeah. and just on that stat sorry about the goals conceded that's the lowest in the football league as well so that it, it is incredible really I mean City and Liverpool have conceded less but they've played three games less as well Yeah. so it, that's pretty bad um, and we and to be fair considering for the amount of goals we've scored to still be joint second in the league after 10 games with only 12 goals is pretty yeah. it's pretty I think we rank 15th in yeah. the league for goals scored so uh, <laughs> They're balancing out nicely, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on to our first question of the week from Simon Benoob. Hello, Simon. Um, on a scale of false to very false, just how false is Boris's false position at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's been trying to run about this for a few days. Sorry, there's hashtags it. as well. Hashtag glass half empty. Hashtag not played well for weeks. <laughs> He's been yeah, he's been quietly chuntering away on this. He's always worth a follow for a borough opinion on Twitter. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's too necessarily too bad. I don't think in terms of it being a false position, I think you know it's still relatively early in the season. It's ten games in, and we can kind of have a look at the table and the teams around us that we have played already. You know, we've we've competed with very well. You know, Leeds was a good game. West Brom we beat. Um, yeah, and Sheffield United we beat as well. So it's not necessarily about it being a false position. I think we are definitely competing with the teams at the top end of the league. But you know, we spent the first twenty minutes of this podcast talking about where it's all going wrong with the team. <laughs> so I think there is—it's a borrow way, though, isn't it? it there's, a, there's a there's a style issue, there's a form issue, there's a selection issue at the moment. But I don't think it's a million miles off. You know, we are we are still way ahead in this—not way ahead in this league, but in the right end of the league and able to compete with us. Yeah, I think false is a bit strong, but I think we are starting to settle into a. Uh, perhaps a more meaningful position I think a lot like having drawn three of the last six that is going to that is going to lead to us kind of settling settling down that table a little bit and it's 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 all those games that are on, on the brink like that whole game we, we need to close that out we can't be can't be letting them back in once we've once we've got ahead in a game really that didn't look like we were going to get ahead it's, it's a game a few chances bit of a stalemate bit of a horrible afternoon all in really uh, so once you get ahead you absolutely have to shut up shop and keep that three points and to to lose that is is bitterly disappointing regardless of the of the nature of the penalty oh yeah quick one was it a penalty or not uh, absolutely not no? No, no I don't think it was, it was I, th- I think I was silly to go in like that but he's bought, he's bought that penalty I think you've made a great point before that uh, there's a in the in the build up to the penalty award friend makes a rather clumsy challenge on uh, is it Bowen as well uh, as the yeah. ball from comes in from Hull's left uh, that the, the ref doesn't give it as a penalty but it, it, it looks untidy and clumsy and sure enough as soon as the ball comes back into the box not 20 seconds later and Ayala takes him down you think the ref's not going to let you get away with two marginals that quickly that's bad refereeing though it shouldn't be it'd be a cumulative account for the penalty I just I don't know yeah it was no, I'm not suggesting that. Clumsy, just, but if, if he's if he's undecided about the first one and it's in his head, he's thinking, oh, I'm not sure is that, yeah. isn't it? I don't think there's enough there. And then to do it again, you think, ah, oh, all right, you can have it. Like yeah, I think that's just human nature. Yeah, you know, referees no, will say, I agree. it's not a thing. And, you don't I, I agree with you. That <laughs> he's he's bought it. I don't I don't think it is a penalty. I don't think Ayala's done enough to shove him down. But he's been clever. He's going away from goal. He doesn't need to jump in there. He's absolutely in control of that. He's got his back to goal. He's between the player and goal. Uh, the ball is between <laughs> the him and the player are between the ball and goal so it's like where's he going like you don't need to dive in just just hold him just stand your ground there's plenty of numbers back um, so it was careless to, to give the referee a decision to make it all really sorry what was Simon's question <laughs> <laughs> on on Simon's question I suppose when you the, the big worry that you get to now after 10 games is that teams around you um, or teams that are getting better as the season's gone on as their teams have settled so West Brom are the prime example who are now top of the league who um, started started a lot slower than, than ourselves and Leeds is, is that the worry they want the teams are getting better around us and, and we're not necessarily showing signs of that at the moment um, I think there's always going to be an element of sort of different teams taking time to settle into the league West Brom especially you know they've not Mad, mad. they've had a relatively big reshuffle since they've come down you know, this is their first time back in the championship for a while um, and then they've adapted to it relatively well the better of the three I mean you just need to look at Stoke as in, got down in 17th and think all the money they've spent on all the players they've brought in and they're just not adapting with one of the slightest 
as with some of the rest of some of the other teams in, in the league, you know, they some of them are surprising. You know, sort of Millwall down, you know, they're second bottom. Preston as well, you know, they're they were good teams last season and they grew into the league, especially Millwall, you know, they had a great run in the turn since the turn of the year. But, you know, there's there's always gonna take different turns for different 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 amount of time for different teams, I suppose. There was the positives of that is Leeds have started to slow down, you know, they were looking quite worryingly good as, as the season opened and really put down some sort of statement results you know they battered Stoke early on I think it was a 4-0 yeah. um, which, which you know as time has progressed has shown has been a mixture of Leeds being actually alright as much as it hurts to say and then Stoke being poor but you know there's only only early days there's still 36 games to play so yeah I suppose what you're getting at is you look at West Brom in first Chef United in fourth Norwich in fifth all of these teams have won four of the last six games us and Leeds have only won two of the last six so we seem to have settled plateaued if you like everybody else seems to be on a bit of an upward trajectory Norwich especially have won the last four on the bounce since the since starting with that win over us so it's I suppose it's that it's it's about keeping pace with the, with those teams that seem to be gathering momentum um, before you know it if, if if this kind of carries on before you know it us and Leeds are occupying fifth and sixth and the other four are the ones that are kind of cantering away really so um, you don't want it to last I guess so the next question we got is from Mike Temp on Twitter who has said why play with wing backs when they didn't overlap and play as wing backs if it's five in defence then is Clayton needed as a CDM perhaps not but I think the the more pertinent side of the question is about the wing backs and I think going back to again our last discussions in the transfer window that was an area where I don't really feel like we've invested enough as part of this balance of the squad you mentioned it's more weighted as as players that are defensively and centrally minded uh, and whereas I think actually I probably owe Ryan shot on a bit of a, an apology because he's he's been one of our best performers so far this season and hasn't yet performed uh, hasn't yet uh appeared in, in the middle two or three whatever it's been he's always been that right back wing back and has been brilliant but he's not an out and out attacking full back so if you are going to play the three you want a kind of a specialist for that position and I, I was worried through the window I know I mentioned it and went on and on about it but I still feel like we really the squad generally lacks a balance there the Clayton comment less so I think you still need someone who's going to sit in front of the defence and kind of sweep those moves up before they get to the defence but but certainly on the on the fullback front, I think I just feel like we're not. I feel like we're probably edging towards thinking we're better suited for a back four, given the personnel we have, rather than a five, because of that fullback issue. Making it four three three lends itself to pushing those uh, those wider players further up the pitch anyway, positionally, so they're not expected to sit so deep as they would be with a back three. Um, that's that'd be my kind of. But it does become tricky because when you do make that a back four then there's people in that midfield that look a bit out of place so we've seen Harrison play on the right we've seen Savile play on the left at uh, Bolton and whether that's their natural positions or whether they're best suited there well that's what that's he still seems to be trying to work that out with the midfield three because before the end of the transfer window it looked it looked pretty settled to be honest they looked set even even when Besic came in he, he did what he did in the latter part of last season and that, that looked coherent it looked like it looked like it worked and and since then it hasn't quite looked as as 
uh, as natural, I suppose. It look it, it looks like it needs a bit more work with Savile coming in there, and um, I'm still really surprised to not have seen McNair get a run. Um, but yeah, he's got he's got so many options there, and I don't know when he he isn't really using those options in the cup games. He seems to be giving like more of the the kind of squad players, if you like, time. So he's not really he doesn't seem to be really tinkering with the midfield during during the cup game. So yes, strange one. I'm throwing that one out for a while, have I? <laughs> right, he's one for you that we don't have to get a moan on about. What did you make of the new shirt? Oh, what Swansea light? Yeah, it was it was all right. I quite liked it. Um, I didn't think it was as nice as the other white one we unleashed a few years ago when we had to play Brentford. Yeah, that one was bloody lovely. Yeah, I think you know, it I was felt shocked like... to not see any red trim. I thought yeah. it would basically be a a Hummel revision of that Brentford kit, which went down so so well. It was lovely that one. Um, I mean, without getting old football shirt culture, I still think it needed a little bit of red on it, like whether a bit of piping or. Even just maybe like the, the arrows sh- the or something. Maybe yeah, that's a bit that, too been a bit garish. Maybe that's like... a bit too Denmark away. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was I was really shocked, and I was basically like I say, a picture in a a Hummel version of that red trim white top, which went down so well. Seems quite pricey though. Well, there's a, what there's only yeah, but seventy five quid is a lot of money for a but football. Isn't, isn't every shirt a limited edition? Because it's only available for one season. Well, it's a, well, it's a lot of money. Is it seventy five pound? Is that yeah, I think that's seventy five quid. Yeah, it's outrageous. Wow. I mean, well, it is what one of one thousand nine hundred eighty six, wasn't it? That was the whole. Yeah, no, it's a it's a nice, it, nice like, little marketing gimmick, I guess, and uh, I suppose if it's as successful as as the one you mentioned in the previous promotion campaign, then then they're laughing, aren't they? Because they they went off the shelves in no time, they were, and I think most people lamented not trying to or not being able to get hold of one at the time but I don't think this is quite as pretty as that one no I mean but to be fair you know, the, the, the kits this year are great I do I'm a big fan of both of them especially the home yeah. getting it looks brilliant but I agree uh, yeah. you know so I mean you kind of set the bar pretty high so if, if there was ever a year <laughs> where you uh, if anything it's only going to force people to buy the beautiful other two kits rather than <laughs> oh Bit of a limited edition seventy foot. No, you're all right. I'll just buy the away kit. It's bloody lovely. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm not getting tired of that home kit though. Oh. Love it. I think I prefer the away one. You know, I love that. Yeah, yeah, I love uh, it. There's not much to it. I don't know. I still. I know I've said this before, and you've taken the Mickey out of me, but I still lament not having bought the yellow away kit. I thought that was such a cool kit. Oh uh, yeah, well, I, I didn't like right. that. I didn't like. There wasn't it. much then, to it though. It's because it was a year after Norwich. Wasn't I know. It? <laughs> that was a bizarre <laughs> thing. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was wicked. <laughs> no, I won't be buying the kit for £75, but if I wanted to send us one, we'd happily sponsor them. We'd happily take take their adverts. We can promote Hummel to all of the, the Borough fans that have not heard of Hummel <laughs> up to now. So, yeah, I'm sure if you're Where looking to reach any... any five years. <laughs> if you're looking to reach another 150 Borough fans, then where are you men? If you want your uh, handball team kitted out by Hummel. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Ifrich coming up tomorrow night. We're recording this on Monday, so um, how do you think that one's going to go, and what do you make of Ipswich? Well, hopefully it will go how I wanted the whole game to go. You know, they are piss poor at the bottom of the league. You know, they've brought in Paul Hurst, who did well at Grimsby and did did well at Shrewsbury, and and he's brought a lot of his players with him. But they just don't seem to be adapting to the Championship. I, you know, I think he's finding the step up quite difficult. You know, he seemed like a good appointment after their years of Mick McCarthy you know and their sort of um, the turgid stuff that you know the, the fans are accusing him of 
um, but it's looking a little bit like uh, be careful what you wish for um, which is unfortunate for them but you know I mean I don't know it depends it's their bed now they've, they've sort of forced him out and Mick, Mick won't be too worried about it yeah they're the only team in the league who haven't won a game so far this season could wow. tomorrow night be, be their <laughs> chance we do like breaking a record don't we no I think you've hit the nail on the head for me I was I know things had gone stale under McCarthy and they all wanted to change but I could only see it going one way to be honest I thought he'd consistently and for such a long time overachieved with what they had after the kind of frivolous spending eras of Roy Keane and Paul Jewell and the likes I couldn't see how that would be maintained you've got a manager in Paul Hurst who stepped up a level uh, brought a certain number of players with him who either would have known his methods directly or known of his methods and his style and there's there's certain benefits to be had from that but I can't I just yeah I just couldn't really see it going any other way really I'm I'm not surprised to see them in that in that position it might might be a bit of a a freshener I suppose having a a new man at the helm but ultimately it isn't working out for them so far generally as we move into October we've got five games three of which are at home the highest ranked of those teams currently is Derby in ninth I think we really need to kind of set a marker down and get get the season back on track try and build some consistency again are you suggesting a statement win a statement win no probably not I don't think we really do that but (laughs) absolutely a win absolutely a win yeah it's a must win really after the disappointment of the whole game you're really open and you could tell actually in the second half of the whole that there'd been at least a paragraph of the riot act read and if we don't get anything from this game it could go full loco (laughs) full metal jacket <laughs> Complete meltdown mode. Yeah. <laughs> now, even if it's not represented in the scoreline, it absolutely needs to be represented in the performance tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's worth having a quick mention of that Adam Reach call last Friday. Did you see that? Oh, against Reach, Leeds? yeah. Oh, yeah. Picked it. It was it was reminiscent of those ones he's got against Burnley. Yeah, he's, there was a video going around Twitter. I think today or yesterday of just like. Ricci smacking in 25-30 yards <laughs> just the king of hit and hope um, it, was he someone we let go too early he's made his way into a decent championship player I always liked him I always thought he was good and offered like a decent outlet on that left hand side that we at a position that we always kind of struggled to fill it wasn't the quickest wasn't the trickiest but you know it was a solid old old styly left midfielder um, and he had an absolute pearl on him every now and again which will make me forgive a lot of his failings Right, let's end this week with a final question from Rob Fletcher. Will we ever be happy? Nah, never. <laughs> <laughs> only, only when we're moaning, I think. Let's see. Philosophical, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Where do you want to start? <laughs> so we'll check it's not right. a personal question. He won't anyway, because you're moving to Manchester after this and he's stuck with me. <laughs> well, yes, that is some, another announcement we should really make, is that this is Adam's last podcast. For Potentially. In, in front of the mics, at least. Yeah, in front yeah of the I'll mics. still be helping behind the scenes, but we'll see what happens in front of the mics. Still pulling the strings. Um, after after three magic seasons. It's going, I'm getting well, well enough a bit here, guys. <laughs> lump in my throat. It's been a pleasure. I will uh, continue to work behind the scenes, and you, well, I mean, you two just got to keep it going now. You're going to do all the tricky editing. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but on a serious note, we're going to try and get to a bit more of a regular regular slot like we did back in August uh, Adam's moving back up to Manchester but still going to be involved in the background and the kind of running of the podcast uh, as 
the three of us always have been and so from that side of things apart from not hearing his voice you shouldn't hopefully notice too much difference pressure's on you now lads pressure's on <laughs> us sorry to see you go though mate and then there were two yeah but we, at least we've got a bed for the northwestern games well yeah that's true <laughs> there's quite a few coming up as well so you better book them in your diaries thank you for listening this week for the final time I've been your host Adam Garnsey you've been Jim Tall thank you very much Adam you've been Graham Kirby cheers mate they'll see you next time <laughs>